Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to track what's going on in the auction market, check out Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps. They have about 500 independent auction houses that report uh, what's going on on the auction marketplace. It's a great place to see what's happening. If you're interested in using that, check out. Use Moving Iron LLC or Moving Iron Podcast at checkout, and you get yourself a discount. Also, go and check out Arrow at, at heyarrow.com. It's a great place to get a nice product to help your salespeople sell more stuff. And we all want to do that, right, Sean? We want to sell more stuff, right? Can't get Sell more stuff. stuff. That's it. Speaking but, of selling more stuff, well, we should probably sell some more natural gas because it sounds <laughs> like to me there's not a lot to go around. <laughs> if, you have, if you have to sell it, that's great, but I don't think there's going to be a lot for sale for a while. That was almost so. a professional segue, Sean. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel pretty good about that one. <laughs> you, get, you know what? You're getting better every day. <laughs> Sean is with Hacker Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice to come on a couple times a week and talk about what's going on. And all kidding aside, this natural gas thing is getting getting pretty Western real quick, man. I'll tell you what, there's there are limited supplies everywhere around the world. Um, you talked about it before we got on here that Ribobank had, had put out a, a little um, article about, you know, if we have a cold winter that we're probably going to run out of natural gas, propane is is done, so... There goes your grilling, I guess, for the winter. But, you know, you take a look at all the stuff that's going on there. If the winter is as bad as as, uh, as you've talked about in the past, Sean, we're going to see some real crazy things happen. Well, I, I, th- I think, we should, you know, we thought this was going to start in late October, but the Hurricane Ida uh, accelerated this sooner because we lost the production in the Gulf. Five percent, six percent. We lost it for a while, and this, and 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 thirty-five percent of it is still not going to come online for another f- couple of months. Yeah. Um, and that that uh, rogue wave that hit changed the timing of when this supply scarcity trade was going to start, um, because that pretty much ensured the, that the injections weren't going to be able to make it. And when, we, and when we look at where we're going to end, we're going to end at a point where, like, right away, we talked about this, that we thought we could you know, almost run out of natural gas with a cold winter. Um, and so now the market is looking saying, you know, we have to start rationing demand right now. Yeah. And, you know, 
the problem it's easy to ration crude oil because it's driving you know it's 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 easier to do all right uh, but but when we're talking about natural gas we're talking about keeping the lights on for the most part right keeping the heat on and um so what they're going to you know, I remember 1980 1979 Jimmy Carter going up on TV telling everyone you know to, to turn their thermostat down to 60 degrees from 70 try to save because we had an energy crisis back then when I was a kid well that's what you're going to hear Joe Biden do the same thing you're going to say hey, everybody you know put your dial down to 60 degrees cuz we don't have enough of natural gas for you to have it at 70 degrees during the heart of the winter time and remember um, last February we talked about how that was a microcosm of what was yep. to come yep and and, and 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 what did we learn? We learned that that the that the many of these uh, wellheads, natural gas wellheads, were not winterized. And from last I checked, nothing has changed with that. They're not yeah. winterized. And so so we're going to freeze. So so not only are we going to have this record demand for natural gas, right? We're going to have um, these wells are going to freeze over again. They're going to freeze out, which means production is going to fall. You know, when you get a pull of vortex, let's say it comes yep. in for two or three weeks, production is going to drop 5%, 10% during that particular month. And, uh, you know, that is going to add fuel to this shortage that we're going to. So how high could prices go? I really don't know, Casey. But yep. you know, Raywell Bank, Goldman Sachs are talking about $10, something we've talked about before we thought was possible. But at this point, it could be almost anything. It really could be almost anything at this point. I mean, what, what is it going to take to really ration? I mean, you just can't turn the supply spigot on in, in six months and solve this problem. It's too right. late for that. Yeah. It's too late. Yep. Now, next year, maybe, if you told everybody, go do it, we're going to pay you to do it, maybe next winter you can get the production. But there's no way to turn a spigot on in the next six months. It's too late. And so the, so the fertilizer problem that we're now having, where fertilizer plants are shutting down, Fertilizer prices are going up parabolically. I mean, there is not going to be fertilizer application globally, especially in the Northern Hemisphere next year, which means forget what the weather is. Even if the weather's perfect, you're going to have an immediate knockdown from peak potential of yields across the world at a time that we need you know, maximum output. Now, throw in some bad weather like we're forecasting, Casey. It's not good for 2022. And I'm not a Debbie Downer, gloom and doomer. I'm not. But I'm, what I'm saying is that we've talked about Act 2 of this phase transition higher that began last August. That two, That's why we thought we would see higher prices than we saw this past season. And in some cases, considerably higher prices. Um, that's where the Mother Nature is going to modulate which ones go a little higher, which ones go a lot higher. But... Uh, you know, physical supply. I continue to emphasize having physical feed, physical, you know, in, you know, you know your, your physical needs on the farm. On uh, you know, if you're just, it's you, you're going to need to have that as much as you can. And 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 when this is all over, so you know, we're going to get another side of this. We're gonna, when this is all over, what this is permanently doing in the mind of the market, Casey, is just in time is dead, is gone. It's not coming back. Everybody is going to say, I am not getting caught like this again. I need to build up my inventories, whether I'm a utility company, whether I'm a fertilizer company, whether I'm a, I'm a livestock producer, whether I'm an ethanol plant. Everybody wants a buffer stock sitting in on their property, in their storage bins, or where, however they do it, a whole lot more than they had before so that it mitigates some of this uh, 
supply chain risk and some of this issues that they're doing. So, so we're going to have a much pumped up demand for a, you know, for a year out, two years out, not just from regular demand, but extra demand to rebuild stockpiling like we used to have 20, 30, 40 years ago. That's the transition we're going to go through. We've talked about this before also on your show, and this is going to, it's going to really psychologically put that in place. I am not getting caught like this again because this is a disaster for your business, a disaster. Yeah, yeah it's uh, – <clears throat> well, I just – I'm thinking about it from the perspective of the winter. I mean, every, all, the, all the old, you know – farmer tricks and all those stuff you know you, you look at this thing and you cut it open and if it's got this shape then it's a whatever you know or the caterpillars are are more woolly than normal type of thing you know and you got this whole cold everything's kind of pointing towards that right i mean if you believe in all that stuff plus if you just look at even mainstream weather now it's kind of starting to point towards a little bit of this you know they went from this we're going to have this prolonged drought thing to now we're looking at well, you know, maybe we're going to have a colder winter, you know, and they're starting to really kind of paint that picture. And, you know, you've been talking about it for a long time. So it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a, an interesting run here through uh, the end of the year into, into, into full-blown winter and what that looks like, especially if you start having rolling blackouts um, across, you know, major metropolitan areas in the United States. You know, you talked about it earlier before we started recording that, that China and the northern parts of China that they're having rolling blackouts daily, not just like every so often. So we're starting to see some residual effects of this. And we're going, we are going to have blackouts here. We already had them last year yeah. just for a couple of weeks. We're absolutely going to have them all over there, consistently all over. It's going to be, all right, you know, they're going to, they're going to run a schedule, right, like they do in California. Okay, for the, the, this between uh, two, 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock, your areas, you're out. You, you know, just letting you know. And yeah. then, you know, from – it's it's just it, there's no other way to manage this. There's not enough supply. We can't put it back on. Um, I would really pay attention to November because I do believe we're going to get a very early start to this winter. And if the market's already concerned about a cold winter, uh, what if we get what if we start this thing a month earlier and we get a polar vortex in November? Yeah. The panic that's going to sit in because now the market's going to say, "Wait a minute, we had started the dial as if it was going to start in mid-December like normal." What if it's if, it, if we have to dial in an extra month of drawdown because winter started a month earlier, mm-hmm. and they have and of course they, they they haven't gotten to the point of what if it ends late? We're gonna get we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there in March when they go holy shit this is gonna end in April or yeah. May. <laughs> right. we got we yeah. gotta add an extra. Well, I mean yeah. that's the problem is no, everyone's thinking you know four months of a winter three and a half months we're saying six months of drawdown the markets Rainbow Bank has said we're gonna run out with four. Right. Well, what if we have six or yeah. five? I mean, so look, it is what it is. Um, we, we can't do anything. We can adjust. We're gonna have to, you know. I, the the thing, only thing I worry about is just, you know, having an unavailability of supply in certain areas at certain times. Meaning, you know, we we, we you know you have your natural gas coming into your house, but where does it come from? Maybe maybe they shut it off. Right. And you don't have it, and so so yeah, I really worry, you know, that that. Older people, those that are you know, less able to take care of themselves or are more vulnerable to that kind of extreme environment, you know, a person like myself, yourself, probably can you know, put 10 layers of clothes on and jump up and down and figure things out. But, you know, yeah. you know someone who's 75 or 80 and living by themselves, I mean, I'm, not, I don't, I'm worried about that, Casey. Yeah. I do worry about that. They're probably not going to be doing burpees in the living room to stay warm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, so, something to think about. But if you, if you look about... 
uh, you know, here we are coming through this part and we make it through the winter and oh man, we made it through the other side. Now you're going to start looking at the the real electrical demands that we see moving into summer and the demands that we see there. That's even going to have an even bigger effect on these blackouts and rolling blackouts even throughout. Well, all of all of 2022 is going to be a a rough year, it sounds like. Well, well, well let's assume that we, we do get to zero, or, I mean, we basically just get prices to wherever they have to go so we don't run to zero, right? I mean, $20 natural gas, whatever the number is, I, you know, yeah. whatever it is, right? Um, well, we're starting from zero. We're right. building our stocks from zero. Right. What are the chances that we're going to be able to get our supplies up to where they need to be next winter? I mean, yeah. unless we really, really have a massive capital concerted effort to, pr to pump uh, infrastructure and, and get some more of that natural gas, you know, get that fracking going again. Of course, everything that the administration has been totally against, yeah. unless we really get to going, I'm not sure we can build up next year's supplies. Yeah. To where they, think of what, think what happened in Europe. They, they had these prices last year. Yeah, they did. So this yeah. is the, this is the second year of these prices and they can't get, they weren't, and they've not been able to get production going because it takes time to get it going. Now, maybe next year they'll get the genie in the bottle, but it's a couple of years of high prices before you can get the momentum going again. So, I don't know, Casey. You know, it's um, we're in a, you know we're 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 in a, a a pickle. We've put ourselves here. The the, the world's put ourselves here because we don't have a very good energy plan. We just said, oh, we're just going to get off of natural of, of fossil fuels and and it'll work out. Well, no, it's not all going to work out unless you have a plan, and there is no plan. Right. Obviously, yeah. there's no plan. Yep, absolutely. So. Uh, well, it's it's going to be a, a wild thing to pay attention to. All right, Sean. So, a couple reports coming out here. We got we got uh, quarterly stocks coming out this week, and next week we've got the October um, WASDI report coming out. So, I guess as you take a look ahead of all the stuff that we've got coming up, what are your thoughts about those reports as we move into that time frame? My suspicion, you know, and like I said, I. It's a guess because I, I, you know, trying to guess what the USDA is going to say versus what they should say. It's it's always a uh, you know, it's yeah, it's tough. Exactly. But yeah. I my suspicion is is that um, you know with the high prices we had, um, uh, and you know and, and and some of the lower exports that we've seen that I, I my thought process is that quarter grain stocks might be up a little, not a lot, but up a little. Like I, I think I I think the they, it, we should pump them up just a little bit from where the current market is. I don't think it's enough to like really change the, the view of the market, but I think we probably added a few bushels. I think, you know, these higher prices definitely, you know, pull some demand back a little bit on the margin. Now, next week's report, which is really, really about yield is what we're looking at. Um, from what I see so far, Casey, I think our low 170 target on corn for yield is where we need to go. Do I think they're going to say that in October? No. Do I think they'll start moving that direction? Yes. So think of what they did last year. Incremental, 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 and they finally got to the right number in January, I guess it was, right? So I think they're going to go down, and, and, and they're going to get to the 172 plus or minus. Everything we see shows yields are somewhat below where they should be, especially in the really good areas. Good, but not great. That's not going to cut a 176 number or 177 number that everyone has out there. It's not going to happen. So now on the flip side... Soybean yields, to everything we see, looks surprisingly good. Um, I mean, shockingly good um, in a pretty wide swath of areas that we are 
talking to our customers and all that, that even in areas that didn't get a lot of rain, they just can't believe how good the soybean yields are. So it looks to me that the soybean yield actually probably needs to go up uh, in this report. So we kind of have a bifurcation of corn yields going down, soybean yields going up. So then the question becomes, does the bullish corn number drag the soybean market up? Or does the bear soybean number drag the corn market down? Um, and that's really going to be a tough call, Casey, trying to determine who, who pushes who. Our best guess is that the soybean market will drag the corn market down some, kicking and screaming. That's our best guess is that the bean number is going to be bearish enough that we could probably drop a dollar under, under 12 on soybean short term, and that will drag the corn market down despite a bullish number and maybe drag the wheat market down despite a bullish number. Uh, that's our guess. That would be our best guess as to what, how we think that resolves itself. And then, and then soybeans can make their harvest low after that report and after they trade that and create the final spike low and, and we get that out of our system. And then we look ahead to the big drought coming in Argentina that should fire the soybean complex back up again once we get into late November into December. Yep. So. All right, last thing on this, and then we'll close it down for the day. Um, looks like there is a prediction out there that the U.S. corn crop is going to yield 175 bushels an acre. And you've, you've batted that number around a little bit, but you've also, but you're, you know, you've been in the low 170s as kind of as to what you think. So I guess talk about your thoughts on that and you know, kind of where you see things headed into that January report. 175 is possible if they reduce harvested acres like they should. Okay. Remember, we've said this on your show quite a few times that the harvested acres number is too high. If they're going to continue to stay at that high number, then the yield's got to come down to low 170s. If they actually lower the harvested acres to where it really is, they can keep a 175 number. doesn't change the, the equal yeah. sign. Right. It's just how you get there. Mm -hmm. So I have no problem with 175, but it can't be with the current acres we have, uh, harvested acres. So it's either you lower the harvested acres and get the 175, or you keep the harvested acres and you get the 172. It's still the same number. And I, I think I want to I focus on the equal sign. Right. That equal sign is, is what we're looking for. My suspicion is they're not going to lower the harvested acres number. They tend to not like to do that. They tend to just play games with the yield, play games with demand to get to the right number. Yeah. At this time of the year, they just say, look, that's the number on harvest, and we're just sticking with it. Whether it's right or wrong, that's the number. We're not going to mess with it. They don't like to typically change that much. So we're going with low 170s, going to keep the harvested acres, and that's where, how we're going to get to the right number in production yeah. by January, if, if not, you know, hopefully it's November. But you know, certainly by January, they'll get to the right number for sure. Yep. 5 plus 5 equals 10, but so does 7 plus 3, right, type of thing. Exactly. It's, it's just how you get there. Right. right. Exactly. All right. On. Well, Sean, hey, good stuff as usual, man. There's uh, a lot to pay attention to, especially when you start looking at the input side uh, of, of farming going into 2022, whether it's feed or fertilizer or just energy in general, I guess. If folks want to reach out to you and get some more information about what you're doing at Hacker Financial and how your services could help their operation, what's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have interviews, we have white papers, we have sample reports, all kinds of stuff on there for you to take a good look at what we do, how we do it, to see if we might be of value to your listeners. Right 
I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com to find all things Moving Iron related. And, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Always a pleasure, Casey. Can't wait to do it on Thursday. So Me too. I'm jacked. All right. With that, I'm Casey Seymour, <laughs> Sean Hackett. Let's go do some iron, folks. Yep. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The reach of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving higher